Welcome to the One Degree Shift Podcast, where we learn the little changes that future-proof some of our favorite companies and teams. Here's your host, Eric Termundi. Naomi Teitelman, founder and principal of Collaborativity. Thank you so much for joining the One Degree Shift Podcast today. Thank you for having me, Eric. Glad to be here. We got connected fairly recently. And since we have been connected, I've watched some of your YouTube videos. I've, I've been through some of the work you're doing. And I got to say, I'm pretty blown away. Can you tell both myself and the listeners a little bit more about what you're up to and, and what you're excited about right now? Thanks, Eric. That's very kind of you to say. So I founded Collaborativity Incorporated three years ago at this point. I had spent several years in big firm consulting focused actually initially on risk management and then was focused on human capital after I did my MBA and decided that the people side of the business is a lot more interesting to me. And then I had a second chapter in corporate HR. So I I was at American Express for about seven years, most recently as the head of HR for Canada. And when when it was time to do something different a couple of years ago, I decided to go at it on my own and is very relevant to the future of work. So my thinking was really, I'd love to help companies kind of think about the way they accomplish work in a new way, given all the possibilities to do with the future of work. I'm I'm, I'm using air quotes, future of work, um, which is a big daunting topic. And a lot of companies just don't know how to tackle it or wrap their head around it. So I felt that, you know, with my big firm consulting background, as well as having been in corporate HR for, for several years, my passion is really about helping organizations think about their talent strategies in, in a new, innovative way that can actually help accomplish what they need to accomplish in this new world of work. So I've been doing that for three years and, uh, and it's great. So I'm foaming at the lips here. This is like my topic. This is my wheelhouse. I love this conversation and I can't wait to get your perspective on, on that future of work. So let's, let's dive right in then. What does the future of work look like? And perhaps more importantly, what is the change that organizations need to make now to thrive in the future of work that they're not making? Great. So I would like, and I always say this, I would like to drop the word future of work and really change it to the new world of work, which I think you would agree. So future of work kind of implies that there will be some future event at which point we need to do something. And the way your question is leading and implies that's obviously not the case. So what we need to do is think about all the different possibilities of ways to get work done. Um, a little bit now. So we're in nascent stages in a lot of our technologies in terms of, you know, how smart they are, how much of a marketplace there is, etc. But think 10 years from now, what do we want our organizations to be able to do? And what is the appropriate talent strategy that would enable the organization to do that, right? So, so it implies lots of shifts in terms of how we think about getting work done. So it's not just about hiring, you know, a, a bunch of full-time permanent employees or even part-time employees anymore. It's really about thinking of the worker ecosystem in a much broader way. So in terms of, you know, uh, giggers, as I like to call them, or mm-hmm. crowds or bots, or how to engage retirees in your, in your ecosystem. It's really about thinking about the best way to accomplish what the organization needs to get accomplished, not just now, not just in three to five years, but really in 10 years from now and working our way backwards in terms of what that means for our infrastructure now in order to get to where we need to get in 10 years, which we all know comes very, very quickly. Is 10 years too far away to look 
or is 10 years still the horizon that you're looking at? And the, and the reason why I say this is, is, is it's no secret that the world is moving faster now than it ever has before. I mean, 90% of the information on the internet today was put there in the past two years. And the amount of information that we as humans know is doubling every 13 months and, and even faster. Tell me a little bit about the intersection between five and 10 year goal setting and strategic initiatives while still being innovative and able to make these one degree shifts along the way? Yeah, I think, I think that's a great point And thank you for, for the call out on that. So, you know, how I position 10 years is really kind of the quote unquote long-term strategy. So depending on where your company is on the spectrum of both size and how many years you've been around and, and all that stuff, I think it's important to prioritize. A lot of companies kind of have a challenge in that they need to keep the lights on and keep doing what they're doing and keep doing what's made them successful to date, but also have their eye on the prize of what, how their business is going to evolve in the quote unquote longer longer time horizon. So it could be 10 years. For some companies, it could be two months, right? But really thinking about the long-term strategy kind of where, and then how we achieve that long-term strategy. Um, and really also in that kind of imagination session or the visioning session or the visioning process, thinking about who the new competitors will be in the next X number of years or X number of months. Um, because who would have ever known that Amazon would have Whole Foods, right? Like who would have ever known that um, Google be, would be your biggest competitor for all they're competing in now. So it's really thinking about uh, letting yourself imagine and have vision, but also then bringing it back to the practicality of, okay, we don't even have, you know, the bare basics of the technologies we need in order to enable that strategy. So just being more pragmatic about it, but enabling kind of the visioning piece of it as well. So you, as an individual, you've, you've made a series of, of one degree shifts and, and one degree can be choosing to run a yellow light instead of stopping, or it can be stopping instead of going through a yellow light, or it can be moving from American Express to where you are now. When we look at the future of work, perhaps a lot of our listeners aren't in strategic positions and, and they're on the front lines or they're the ones that are dealing with the clients. They're the ones who have superiors or three layers of, of superiors. What is it that I can do within my organization to preserve my role, to increase my value to the company, and perhaps even to get that promotion in the coming months? So I think it's really critical more now than ever to really know what your fungible or transferable skills are and what really ignites your passion. And then start to build a, a very cognizant that a lot of people don't have really control around what their goals are. They're kind of set by their manager, et cetera. But how can you ignite your passion in every single one of those goals and tap into your sweet spot and really tap into your superpower? So for example, um, we know now that you know traditional marketing roles are evolving like crazy, right? So it went from having pure marketing roles that was basically direct mail um, to having digital marketing roles, which is a completely, which was a completely different beast. And now it's integrated, right? So no longer do we have that separated. It's just different channels of performing the same function. So we all need to be thinking much broader about how we can continuously learn and evolve both in our discipline as well as outside of our discipline. So part of the whole concept around reskilling involves really tapping into the fundamental skills that different roles require. So for example, I'm sure listeners would be, you know, surprised to know that there's a lot of parallels between for example a frontline manager or supervisor and an HR generalist. So really thinking sure. about those 
fundamental skills that will enable you to evolve both as the business needs you to and as you need to as a, as a professional. And that is new, right? Like we used to graduate from university as an accountant and we'd be an accountant for our entire career and we just get promoted up the accounting scale, right? You get your CPA and then you kind of evolve from there. That's no longer the case. There are, there's the threat of automation. There's, there's the evolution of business like crazy. So we really have to think of what our superpowers are, not just in terms of I'm a marketer or I'm an accountant or I'm a HR professional, but I'm a professional who wants to contribute to the organization as a whole and fulfill my own and my organization's purpose. So it's really thinking outside the box versus just your day-to-day tasks. On a more personal level, how do you do that? How do you tap into what your superpowers are and how do you really double down on them and continue to develop your skills where you can give the most value? So I think, um, you know, in the people space specifically, um, there's more and more talk about this, but I've always felt that the, the purpose of the people function is to enable what the business needs to accomplish. So as I think about, you know, working with clients, it, it really comes back to what's the needs of the business and how does the talent strategy change according to that need? So that's what I continuously try to think about, learn about, research about, speak about, write about, is re- because really it all comes back to how are we going to get business done in a more effective, efficient, competitive way in this rapidly evolving world of work. So that's where I kind of like to spend my time focusing and learning. What are you seeing is is coming next? What are some of these trends that you think we'll double down on? And, and what do you think is happening now that'll that'll fade away? So I don't think anything will necessarily fade away. I mean, obviously, technology is the big topic du jour, right? And technology is a huge beast in and of itself. So it's really in the people space, figuring out that worker ecosystem, like I mentioned at the beginning, how do humans and all different types of roles, all different types of employment agreements with organizations work in conjunction with technology in order to increase productivity? So, you know, productivity has not gone up with the evolution of technology. So we're in kind of that phase where businesses are catching up. So really figuring out that blend of what the right mix is between human and, and technology power is really critical. And, you know, there are other trends that are that are obviously hot topics in the space. There's learning and the flow of work, right? How do we get people to learn what they need, when they need? need it and still continue to develop as as a, as a professional outside of their day-to-day role. So that's a big topic and also includes some of those efficiency and effectiveness themes as well, right? So how, so how can I take people offline for the for the least amount of time and get them most productive, more productive. And then obviously as a byproduct of all this rapid evolution, this change, this employees are, are, are very stressed, the whole well-being topic is, a, is huge. So really how do I create well-being in the workplace, not just about yoga sessions and fresh food in the cafeteria, but about a well-being as a culture and as a way that we feel when we go to work. So it's really more holistic than just, you know, just physical interventions. So you brought up something that I'm pretty interested in, and this is the intersection between increased productivity, but increased wellness <laughs> at the same time. So I need to be doing more, but I need to be more present. I need to be more psychologically safe. I need to feel like I belong. I need to trust my colleagues and coworkers. And we need to produce more than we ever have before if I want to save my job. 
Can you tell both myself and the listeners a little bit more about that relationship between mindfulness and productivity? Yeah, so I don't think productivity is necessarily doing more. I think it's delivering more. That's critical, right? So I don't want a bunch of people putting in more hours. I want them putting in less hours and being smart about using the tools that they have at their disposal, the collaboration that they have at their disposal. I really believe they go hand in hand. If you have a culture of trust and you know you can work as the team and with technology tools that are at your disposal and are up and running and I'm well-versed on um, and I don't have to double-check everything that the technology is producing for me, then you start to have more of a holistic, you know, well organization or, or healthy organization. Yeah, you've hit another hot spot for me. And that is this idea of trust, which by the way, I'm, I'm fully on board with and, and, and agree it's imperative to have having a successful organization, whether it be at your time at American Express or, you know, in the work that you're doing with, with collaborativity and, and, and your various clients, do you have any stories, case studies, tips, how to on to build this culture of trust? Yeah, I think the definition and the culture of trust has drastically changed over the years. What was it before and, and what is it now? Just, just so that we can be on the same page. So not necessarily definitionally speaking, but I would say, you know, in the past, if you brought on a contract worker, they would have no access to anything of yours, right? They were brought on to do a specific task. There was fear that if they had access to certain things, you know, they would steal it. And you would trust your full-time employees more than you would trust your contractors. And it, it was just, I'm responsible for my agenda and my piece. And I'm going to, tr- and, and the trust was very, I, I would say, siloed. Now we're evolving to a place where, you know, you have to trust that the worker ecosystem will get done what it needs to get done collectively, or else you waste cycles, you waste cycles that can damage efficiency and productivity, right? So that, I mean, that is very like motherhood and apple pie statement. So creating a culture of trust is really critical because you have to trust that everybody's on the same page to get done what the broader agenda of the organization is versus your own hidden agendas, right? So there are ways to foster trust in organizations, and I'm sure that's another entire podcast in and of itself, Mm -hmm. but that's really the foundation of productivity and efficiency is really trust that you can trust your team regardless of whether they report to the same boss as you. Um, You can trust technology because it's been tested and and it runs well and it's working. Um, You you can trust that if you speak up, your voice is going to be heard and it's going to be considered and you're going to get feedback in terms of why your point of view was or was not considered. So there are organizations and there are teams that do that better than others, but I believe it's a foundational element of where we are in this new world of work. Any quick tips on how to build a, a team that trusts each other? I mean, sure, technology and everything else is one thing. But if you've got a team of 15, any exercises, any tips that, that, that you might have so that we can build that sense of trust? There are tactical things that you can do, but I would say, you know, people do what they're measured on and what they're managed to. So if you have incentives that are misaligned or there's no incentive for people to collaborate and to trust each other, then that's what, that's the result you're going to produce. So there are ways to tactically facilitate meetings where, you know, everyone is, everyone's voice is heard and people don't feel like they're going to be, you know, ruffling feathers if they speak openly and stuff like that. And right, I think that's right. the role of the leader. But, but essentially, you know, if your goals are not aligned in such a way that produces collaboration and produces trust, then results are going to be tough to accomplish. 
couldn't agree more. Uh, Naomi, last last question for you. What what are you most excited about right now when it comes to the future of work and, and how can listeners really capitalize on, on your excitement and, and, and what can they do about it? Really excited about accomplishing work in brand new ways. So I think workers, whether you, uh, listeners, whether you're a leader, whether you're an individual contributor, anytime a task comes your way or a project comes your way or an initiative comes your way, really thinking through kind of why that project is happening first, um, then what, what, what can be done by automation, what can be done better by a crowdsource, what, there, there's just so many ways to get work done at your disposal. And then finally, how are you going to motivate yourself and or your team to get that work done? There's just lots of different ways to both attract the right team and build the right team, as well as motivate them to get their work done. It's no longer a world where we have performance ratings and, ben- and, and your standard group benefits plan and your compensation package as all that's going to motivate workers to get work done. I think this idea of hyper-personalization of worker experience is really critical. And so I think both as a team leader, as well as an individual, it's important to kind of keep an eye on that and keep an eye on what motivates you to be your best. Naomi, this has been uh, an incredible conversation and I appreciate everything that you've, you've brought to the podcast today. Is, is there anything else that you'd like to leave our listeners with? I think we're good, but thank you very, very much for having me today, Eric. I really enjoyed the conversation. Fantastic. Well, for those who are listening on the other end, uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends and, and give us a rock solid rating. We really do appreciate it. All, all the notes on Naomi's website, LinkedIn are going to be uh, below. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. For more podcasts, show notes, and to connect with our speaker today, visit ericturmundi.com. That's E-R-I-C-T-E-R-M-U-E-N-D-E.com. And click the podcast tab. Thanks for listening.